When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get half gallons of delicious Kroger milk for $1.29 each. Then get flavorful Tyson Natural Boneless Chicken Breasts for two forty nine dollars a pound, all with your card and a digital coupon. Shop these deals at your local Kroger, less than five miles away. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. Coming to you live from downtown Detroit, this is Benzinga's Pre-Market Prep with your host, Joel Conan. This is a volatile puppy here, isn't it? And Dennis Dick. I've been the penny. I will buy the stock for a penny. With everything you need to start your trading day. Good morning, everybody. Welcome to this Wednesday edition of Benzinga's Pre-Market Prep. Spencer Israel, Joel Conan, Dennis Dick with you this morning. Got a good show for you. We've got some news. We had some hacking news last night after the close. FireEye, the victim of a hack. We're going to talk about that stock this morning. We'll talk some earnings. Uh, GameStop and Chewy uh, on our radar. We're going to talk uh, SPACs again because they just continue to run. A couple investor days on our radar. Starbucks is today. Disney's is tomorrow. Disney's been running of late, so I, I want to hit that stock if we can today. Our guest today is Steve Sears. He's a Barron's columnist. He's also the author of The Indomitable Investor, Why If You Succeed in the Stock Market When Everyone Else Fails. Before we proceed, want to remind you all that the information from the show is meant to be used as informational purposes, not for investing or trading advice, and the opinions of our hosts and guests do not represent that of Benzinga. And then also remind you to hit that like button show us some love and now i will throw it to joel and joel how are we doing this morning doing well spencer good morning uh we are trading up four and a half handles up from that old time closing high yesterday at 3702 uh pre-market high 1475 pre-market low 0450 so we haven't even seen the close yet here on this wednesday morning crude is up by 16 cents at 4576 uh, gold given a little back from the rally down 1230 at 1862.60. Silver, that's in the red as well, 35.6 cents at 24.37 and a half. And Bitcoin just kind of leaking here, folks, down $505 at $18,320. Uh, I'm long it, so that's got to be the top now. <laughs> <laughs> that's probably the top. Anyways, it's they, they all suckered know. me in, and now I'm done. Now that's the top; it'll never go over twenty thousand again. <laughs> uh, I mean, Dennis had had a big run. Maybe just uh, you know, we talk about you know pullbacks. Oh, no, sell. I'm not selling half. I'm not doing anything with it. I'm in it. I'm. I like I said, it's going to zero, or it's going to. I don't think it's going to five hundred thousand like the Winklevon twins, but it's going to zero, or it's going to a hundred thousand for me. 
So I'm riding it all the way down or all the way up. This isn't a trade. I put it in there because I wanted to get off zero, like Mark Yusko said. I want to own a little bit of crypto. I'm, I'm up slightly in it still, but giving back some of my gains from uh, the Thanksgiving purchase when we had the little 10% down on the, on the correction when I bought it. Once again, Triple D um, in, in, in uh, employing a strict risk-reward ratio on the trade. I Not sure on this one. <laughs> well, I said I'm riding to zero, Joel. Well, you <laughs> five to my one. My risk-reward on this is I lose it all. <laughs> five to one. Five to one. Yeah, okay. Well, you can look at that. Yeah. That's the way so I'm, I'm looking to make at money. it. Sure. <laughs> I sure hope it doesn't go to zero because I don't know if I can handle the complaining and the whining and and uh, but uh, we'll if see. If it goes to zero, I'm gonna lose zero point five percent of my net worth. Oh, there you go. I put, in, I put zero point five percent of my net worth in it. There you so, go. So that's, that's what, what I'll lose. I'll still have ninety nine point five percent of my net worth if it goes to zero. So I didn't even go to five percent. I just barely got off zero. <laughs> so, anyways, let's continue on this party. Let's talk stocks. It's not a crypto show. There's lots of stocks to talk about. Spacs are running wild here once again. Um, maybe we should look at this QS. They mentioned it on Spac Attack. This thing is just in monster mode here. It's gone parabolic. It's going to end in tears, but who knows when that happens. Things up another 27% here this morning. The stock, the SPAC was one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight days ago was 20 bucks doing nothing. Today it is $73 here, QS. I know they do something with batteries, but I don't know anything more than that. So what? They build electric car batteries and they they claim to charge up to 80% in 15 minutes. That's what they claim that their batteries do. That's good news, apparently. <laughs> but I don't know anything about valuation. This. I don't know anything about when this ends. I'm just like, this back party, this is, you know, now a poster child for what, you know, everybody hopes their SPAC becomes. Some of these are going to go like this. Most of them are not. So you got to be careful, obviously, with what you're buying. Most of these are in a bubble here now. I don't know when the bubble bursts. Like I said, I've tried to buy a few that I believe, you know, could go and haven't gone yet. The one big one that I do own still is LCA. I'm still in it because I believe in the Golden Nugget gaming story here. I believe in the online betting story getting bigger. Um, But a lot of these are just speculative, speculative capital only because these things are wild so joel can you give us any levels here on i'm giving US? you one I, you always want me to give one number i, would, I do i do 80 i see it there on the top left that's chart. it topped out three times in the pre-market just under 80 so it's struggling to get over 80 who knows what happens in the regular session though this stock is trading so actively it's like it's open right now it's already traded 1.2 million shares Beds and offers are moving around. I mean, it's basically it's eight oh seven in the morning, and the stock looks like it's open for trading. That's how active it's trading. Can I ask you a question? Is uh, sure. is it humans, or do you think? I mean, it's a mix. Is, yeah, okay. it's a mix. Okay. Um, I think a lot of uh, you know the the movement and, and stuff. Obviously, it's all algorithmic driven. Uh, the question okay. is, um, you know, who's behind the algorithms? You know, are the big fish or the big algorithmic traders trading this? They're making markets in it and they're kicking ass and taking names by, you know, obviously some of the spreads sometimes get wide. So you've got your majors in there making markets in it. You know, whenever you see trades going off on FINRA, that's an off exchange algorithmic market maker. That's basically, you know, taking the other side, like 75 is going right now, FINRA, retail trade comes in and the algorithmic market maker, off exchange market maker. Uh, provides liquidity to that so they're sitting there trying to buy the bid and, and selling the ass they're just making markets in it 
they do that in everything. I mean, that's in every single stock you get go, but when the spreads get wider, they're doing, you know, even better on some of these stocks. So, um, so yes, the answer to your question is yes, there's algorithms involved. There's also a lot of humans involved though, and a lot of retail involved, you know, people getting in down and dirty and they're seeing the stock go from 57 to 70. And they're like, it's going to a hundred. I got to get in the FOMO kicks in. And you know what? I'm, who's to say, I don't know where it's going. It could go to a hundred, could go anywhere. Could also go down to like 40, 30, 20. These things are wild. And this isn't my cup of tea. We know my cup of tea is more boring. But, you know, I play around these SPACs too. So I'm trying to play on the ones where I somewhat control the risk. Like I've been talking about, I bought the Ackman SPAC, the PSTH. Somebody was talking about that one. I'm in that one. I think Ackman's probably going to get a good deal eventually. So I'm just playing it from, you know, that perspective. I'm in it from about 2290, I think I bought it. And I just think, you know, it's Bill Ackman. So that's almost he's what you got to look He's at. made a I'm huge recovery. He, he's I bought this. I haven't bought this, but I, I intend to. I've been putting it off because I just forget about it. But I, I, I would like to buy this as well. Um, only because the the rumors on the street are he, he's going to buy some kind of financial services company. And the SPAC is so big. The deal is going to be so large. There are only so many players the only sure. something names that it could be, right? Like, I know well, it was rumored uh, uh, about three or four weeks ago that he was going to buy a piece of Bloomberg. Right. The, the, there was the rumor, rumor. A piece of Bloomberg? He wouldn't sell, would he? The speculation. I don't know. Mike's getting pretty old. So there's Maybe he would. speculation. Huh. That's interesting. There's speculation it could be Robinhood. There's speculation it could be like Coinbase. We don't know. I'm just, again, total speculation. And it sounds like Robinhood's going IPO because uh, right. I think they were saying last night, it looks like Goldman's going to lead the way on that. So. The stack is so large. There can only be, there are only so many companies that are that are, that are that big that you can take public, right? In the financial services industry. So I just think like when you got a name like Ackman behind you, Spencer, and I want to get your thoughts on this too, but when you got the Bill Ackman name behind you, I would think everybody would want to team up with Bill Ackman. If you were, you know, a target, I mean, like there's certain SPACs, like there's certain financial firms that aren't going to go to like, you know, some SPAC that they don't even know who the management team is. Everybody knows Bill Ackman. Everybody knows he's a great money manager. Everybody knows, you know, um, you know, that he does his homework. So that's why I'm comfortable owning. I actually have more than a full size position in this one. Um, It hasn't really gone that far because obviously there's no deal yet. I think he, it all depends on what deal he gets. I guess if they, the market doesn't like the company he buys, you know, then it could sell off. So it's not just free money that they're going to pop everything. We've seen some instances where SPACs go out and they, 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 they team up with the company that the market didn't think is the growth potential there. But right. I think Ackman will do a good one. And that's why I'm long PSTH. And you just said the key thing, when you're buying a SPAC, what you're really buying is trust, faith that the sponsors know what the hell they're doing yes. and they're able to buy a good company. Yes. That's really what you're buying. You're I just- mean, how many of these SPACs are out there? Is it like four or 500? Like there's a lot of them. Yeah. Yeah. And granted, yes, we are in a SPAC bubble. So you really can just throw your dart at the board and, and pick a winner. But long-term, what you're really buying is you're buying uh, the idea that the sponsor, in this case, Bill Ackman, is going to buy a good company at, at a reasonable valuation. Yes. Yeah. That's that. And you have to, and we, Dennis is exactly right. We know if anyone does their homework, it's Bill Ackman, right? That's what he's known for spending yeah. years and years fighting on trades, doing his due diligence. So um, that's the argument for, for that SPAC. Uh, again, unless you're really in EVs, the SPACs have been pretty hit or miss. Um, and he's not, they've be- been, they've been missed for years. And that's what people don't realize too, is the SPACs have been, you know, 
You, this isn't a new phenomenon. No. SPACs have existed for a long time. 2003, I think I put in. Is my that what 2003? I, I think mean, in one of my nothing. articles. You know, there was no interest in this. Everything went IPO, but now you know SPACs are taking and eating the pie of the IPO market, and people are like, "Oh, you know, what is this company going to buy?" And they're getting excited, and they're buying companies. You know, SPACs that you know we don't know much about the management team, and I have a few of them too. I mean, I've bought, I've got three or four of these things. I've talked about them before that I thought. You know, it sounds like this is going after an EV play and maybe there's going to be a lift. So eventually when a deal gets announced, but even on this, this PSTH, I bought this one because I was waiting for back when I knew, knew it was coming. I bought this like four or five days, I believe, after it came out. So I bought this back in September and I've been everywhere with this thing. I mean, I bought it in the 22s and it went up to like 25 Then it came back down. I was down in it. You know, I was down under 22 and now it's had a good run here in the last month. So, you know, I'm up in it again, but I'm not in it looking to, you know, make the to trade it here right now. I'm, I'm just thinking Aquin's going to get a good deal eventually and eventually gets the pop as he gets a good deal. Now, there's no guarantees. You know, maybe the market doesn't like what he buys and maybe it goes down. But I'm putting my money on Ackman. But if you're buying PSTH, you're putting your money on Ackman. You never even got a shot at 10 bucks in this one. No, it was 20. It didn't come out there, Joel. Oh, okay. I think I the thought... under, they, they, they're usually 10. You're right. I don't think okay. this was. No, I believe. Do you have it, Spencer? 20. It was 20? Yeah, yeah okay. it was 20. I'm so right. you never got a shot at 20 because <laughs> yeah, it was right. Aquin. They gave it a 10% premium right off the hop yeah, because yep. it, Aquin's giving you 20 bucks worth of, you know, and you're paying 22 for it. I'll pay up 10% for Aquin. That's what it basically That's what you and, the, you and the rest of Wall Street. Uh, well, now they're paying up, you know. More, yeah. Well, five point, 25% for Aquin. It, it's not crazy to think that they're going to make money on that, though. I, I – I think you make money on it. We don't know anything though, so we'll see what he buys. But I'm going. I'm. I'm. I've got my money in PSTH because I'm betting on Aquin. I. I, I want to give CJ Vic in, in the chat a hat tip. He. He has been talking, or he was talking about KCAC for weeks in our chat. KCAC is is now QS. So. Oh, oh that's really? the one that became QS. So hat tip to you. I didn't even know that. Exactly. Okay. Again, because really, unless you have this written down, there's so many. There's like what fifty of these things. Uh, Even the EV ones, like how many EV ones are there? Yeah. So hats. It's got to be thirty or forty of them. He was all over this like a month ago, and we've talked about it sparingly on our show, but he was all over this one. So hat tip to you. Um, speaking of IPOs, yeah, this week is kind of the last hurrah of 2020. As far as IPOs, traditional IPOs, if that's still a thing, uh, are concerned, we've got we've got DoorDash today, we've got Airbnb tomorrow. Uh, DoorDash ticker is going to be uh, Dash. Airbnb will be uh, ABNB. And the, if you just read about that 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 DoorDash, uh, that 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 the, the valuation on this thing, it is wild. I mean, this thing was valued at one point four billion dollars two years ago. It's going to IPO at like thirty five billion dollars, right? I mean. Is crazy, it, and any ads, you know, things can get hot and can go to forty-five or fifty billion. I think when the dust settles, it's significantly less than thirty-five billion. Just my thoughts. I think you're buying right into the bubble again. I've no this valuation matters zero right now because we're all just on FOMO. Um, that's what the run market is running on. So it could do anything, but just be careful. Don't think you oh, I'm going to go buy Dash and it's going to double here next year. It doesn't have to do anything, and you're buying an extreme valuation. What about when the pandemic's over? Is what I that's wonder. what I'm saying too. I mean, you're getting yeah, this run up. It's all yeah, it's all pumped like Zoom is, like Peloton is. I mean, they're all got the COVID 
locked down, you know, in, in there, priced in. And that's why it's coming out the best time. They're getting going to get an extreme valuation. 102, who knows where it opens? It could probably open 125, 130. Maybe it opens. Maybe they got too greedy, and maybe this one doesn't open really high. It's hard to say. I, tw- I tweeted out a, a poll, a fun poll last night, and it was a joke. I don't, most people didn't catch it, but I said, how much does Dora move tomorrow on the DoorDash IPO, D-O-O-R? Because we were joking how, you know, sometimes they get the Zoom ticker symbols wrong in the ZM. D-O-O-R is Masonite. It's not DoorDash. So do not buy the wrong stock, people. Make sure it's D-A-S-H if you're trying to trade DoorDash. Not door, D-O-O-R. So it was a joke, but nobody got it. So. Okay, and I just did dash, and that's the symbol. Dash I'm, is uh, the symbol, yeah. Yeah. Uh, that'd be interesting. I mean, how, how how often do you get food delivered, Dennis? All the time, but I don't use DoorDash. I get okay. my pizza delivered and my Chinese food <laughs> delivered, and I get <laughs> – but I don't do use Uber Eats, and I don't use DoorDash. I mean – and, and, and the other thing is, too, once you come out of the pandemic, I mean, th- these food delivery services are awesome when you're in a pandemic. Um, they're going to really be, you know, killing it. But once we come out of this and we start, you know, going out to restaurants again and doing stuff again, I mean, the growth on that's going to slow. I mean, ev- all these fancy restaurants, a lot of them aren't even open. They're only doing takeout. So a, a business like DoorDash is just, you know, in the perfect spot to profit from that. What happens when all these restaurants start reopening? We actually start going out to eat again. Well, I've got to think that hits the revenue to a certain extent. So again, Uber Eats, DoorDash, all these businesses are running on as good as it gets. Now, Uber obviously has the business of transporting people as well. So that's why, you know, it's being priced as a pandemic stock. And now it's being priced as, you know, a a reopening play too. Because then obviously when we get Ubers back, people are going to take Ubers and start going around and doing travel again. So... I mean, you can look at Uber from a different perspective, but a DoorDash company, I, I don't think. What's the difference? Get, I think between, this is as good as it gets. Well, what's the difference between DoorDash and Grubhub? Well, there, uh, that's a good question. It's it's like a the, the difference is in the financials, is in the growth. That's that's the the only difference. It's the same business, same business same model. Business. Uh, you know, they're raised. They're going to. You know, IPO at a valuation of $38 billion. So all indications, I mean, they raised the IPO price last night. All indications are this, this thing is not going to open uh, at the IPO price. I, IPO price is 102. All indications is whenever this thing opens, if it's if it's 11 in the morning, 11.30, noon, whatever, however long it takes to open this morning, it's going to be yeah. above $102. Um, if you're good at trading IPOs and, you know, you're quick, then get down and dirty and it. I'd always the opening price is something that I always look at for a long time for and sure. the opening range. And, you know, uh, when we have Fari on fire, he won't touch something until what it has like six months worth of data. Oh, a lot of eight. data. Yeah. Yeah. A lot of data. So. He's, he's quantitative. I'm kind of the same way, but I'll play around with this stuff just cause it's fun. <laughs> so like I've said before, my bread and butter is boring and, and finding patterns, you know, where I like to buy stocks like ahead of the Apple event. I would own Apple. I mean, it's boring, stupid stuff, but it's stuff that quantitatively has worked in the past. So I think it works in the future. Trying to predict where DoorDash stock is going from a chart, very, very tricky. And it's going to be wild. You know, how do you protect your capital? I don't want to enter a trade thinking about how much money I can make. I want to enter thinking about how much money I can lose very difficult to you know employ risk tactics in a stock that's going to be moving around two three dollars a minute 
So it's, it's, it's tricky. And that's why I kind of stay away from that stuff until it settles in, settles down. Let the dust settle and then maybe, bit, yeah, yeah, let the dust settle. And, you know, and then there's, there'll be relationships eventually there. And you'll see, you know, with Uber, I mean, Grub would be a natural pair, but obviously Grub is, ta- is um, Grub, the Grub takeover is still going over, right? Remember that year? Was it the European company that bought them? Yeah. I mean, the chart. Uh, didn't, didn't, didn't they get bought by that European company? I, th- I don't. No, I mean, it didn't close yet, but. No, it, but it's on. So, I mean, it's it's tracking that. I believe it's still on. Yeah. Yeah. yeah I'm just trying to see when that closes. I, I, I'm just, I get nervous whenever like I, a, a. Netherlands, eattakeaway.com. Okay. I get nervous whenever like a well-known consumer brand IPOs because you, you get the popularity factor. Everyone's, yes. everyone's heard of this company. Everyone's heard of DoorDash. Everyone's heard of Airbnb. Um, and you read the S1 and like, it, you know, of, of course they sound bullish, right? I mean, that's the job of the S1. It, it, it's hard to go through an S1 and not come away feeling pretty good unless, you know, your, your company's WeWork. But um, I like, I don't know. I, I, I'm not excited about DoorDash as, as others in the chat have pointed out. It's, it's it's food delivery, you know. It's not exactly a exclusive industry. The Airbnb one's going to be a lot more interesting. I it's agree with really you. Interesting because it's simultaneously a reopening uh, play and a stay at home play. It's both. Um, yeah, I agree because people don't want to go into hotels, so they go in these you know Airbnbs. I don't know if they're any cleaner. They're probably not as clean. But people think, oh yeah, I'm not in a hotel with. 500 or a thousand other people i'm in my own little apart or a little apartment or i'm in my little cottage or whatever that you did your airbnb with i mean that business model is awesome and that what's the valuation they're talking about on airbnb oh let me probably let me, crazy yeah if, if doordash is worth 35 billion that airbnb's got to be worth 100 billion just that's just my logic but again we don't care about valuation in this world for whatever what's reason. the symbol going to be for airbnb abnb valuation could be as much as 42 billion dollars the ipo price okay well let's think about that let's compare doordash to airbnb i would that, that's almost the same valuation i would much rather own airbnb than doordash so we can do that if you're just looking at it from a numbers, 42 billion seems light. If you're saying DoorDash is worth 35 billion, in my opinion, I don't know where the Airbnb opens. Like obviously, you know, we can't all participate in these underwritten offerings. So, you know, we'll see where, you know, it opens in the secondary market this week, but don't you think Airbnb should be worth a hell of a lot more than DoorDash? I think you should. um, I think you should stay in an Airbnb and get deliveries from DoorDash. Oh, we can use both. But which company do you think is worth more? Money? Uh, I agree. I agree. Uh, I just think about, you know, some of these uh, uh, Airbnb packages, like people go somewhere for a long time and pay a lot of money. Whereas this DoorDash, you're going to have a lot of $10, $15, $20, $30 tickets. I mean, some of these Airbnb packages, I, I've never stayed in one. But um, what's their cut? It's like, super, what's their I cut? When you, I've never been yeah, on I've the never, other side of the Airbnb. I've, I've, I've stayed at the Airbnb, so I know oh, I pay, you know, $300 to go to this, you know, or I, we, we've done it. We, you know, we've done lots what, of Airbnb. Where? But what's their, that, well, everywhere. <laughs> everywhere. Everywhere. Where have you gone? I mean, Dennis? my father-in-law actually was Airbnb in his house for a while. I mean, people just, you know, because he's up in, in, in the summertime. It's a nice area. I mean, there's... All over the place. I've done, you know, different Airbnbs. So Laura, Laura's always on Airbnb. Like when we go somewhere, we rarely, even before COVID, we were staying in a hotel. We like doing the Airbnb a lot better. I mean, I go to Toronto 
I wouldn't even do a hotel anymore. A hotel is like 300 bucks. I get on somebody's apartment for like $250. I got the whole bloody apartment. It was like way better. But I'm wondering sure. what the cut is. So like I pay that $250 to go in somebody's apartment. How much does that person get? And how much know. do you know does Airbnb get? I'm assuming they take a pretty good cut. Some, so if anybody knows that, I don't know. Well, uh, just to put a bow on this, on the Airbnb conversation, the only real risk that I see is is regulation. Um, the Airbnb had a very infamous battle with the city of New Orleans uh, about, uh, they uh, New Orleans basically said, they created a law that said, you if you have an, if you're going to be an airbnb host you have to live in that house for the majority of the year or oh, they day. don't just want their houses everybody buying them to stay airbnb them exactly so really like you know airbnb can really mess with the fundamentals of the local housing market right because people are buying extra homes um so i would just say that's like the biggest the, the biggest potential headwind is is go- local governments saying we don't want this here because it pisses off the neighbors, right? For and- sure. I mean, do you think about like your Airbnb in your house and, you know, just in you know, your subdivision or something, and there's different people having a party there every day at night because exactly. they're there to party. That's obviously- I mean, and you're in a local subdivision. I wouldn't like that either. Exactly. It pisses people off. So that's obviously a big risk. But anyway, the Airbnb opens uh, IPOs tomorrow. So we can talk more about that after it opens. Um, 825 here. Let's move on. Can we talk FireEye? I, I would yep. like to. Um, sure. Never a good thing when there is a hack or a or a security breach, but especially bad when the company that was breached is a cybersecurity company. Yeah, that doesn't sound good. I saw that headline too, and I felt the irony there. Fire, I said a nation state uh, breached some of their systems. They said this in a blog post yesterday. Uh, they called it a highly sophisticated cyber threat actor. Uh, so shares are down on that headline. Never a good thing. Full disclosure, my dad works for Fire. Oh. Okay. Well, tell your dad to do a better job. (laughs) I'm just joking. (laughs) That was a joke. Uh, It's down 9% here. So $1.41. I mean, it seems like every time you get stuff like this, it's a buying opportunity with these hacks, but I don't know. It's a cybersecurity company that got hacked. So maybe they're thinking, uh, obviously there's some issues here with some of their systems, but I I tend to think it's probably a buying opportunity. Um, But this has been one of the, you know, you really put it in perspective. The stock has not performed well forever. So, you know, eighty dollars back in twenty fourteen. It's trying to come out of the gutter. It was, it was lifting here. It was starting to actually look on the chart like it could go when it was at fifteen fifty. Now you get a headline that just completely derails all of that. Got that one low of fourteen oh six. I tend to buy the dip, but I don't know. I mean, maybe had money since two thousand sixteen. It's been, like it's been a dog. Yeah, a dog. a lot of other play. I was gonna say. Before the hack, I was going to say, where's it trading at 16? Because it seems like, you know, there's some stocks that you pull it up and it's always like around the same level. Like, like where's Kraft Heinz? Is Kraft Heinz at 32? I haven't looked at that one in a this long doesn't time. Move. Where the is dog it? of the food stocks. The oh, dog it moved up. It's 34, stocks. 35. Woo! But uh, the, the, only thing, next week. the only thing that I would like to point out uh, uh, to anybody that's looking at this stock is that you did have a daily low just under 1350 and that was back in november and then your pre-market lows are in that area too just under 1340 so there's potential support there um in the issue on the way back up you could just look at the pre-market high on the 15 minute chart and use that as a it's a very, very minor resistance level. So there's a couple levels for you the actual pre-market low is 1330 
And that little bounce that I was referring to on the last 15-minute bracket, 1437. All right. Uh, what about what about GameStop? What about earnings? Let's go there for a minute. Yeah, let's do a couple earnings. I, I just saw a fun a fun stat here uh, this morning. This is from Refinitiv. They have an index of the most shorted U.S. stocks, and the index is just ripping in the last month. It's up yeah, like for sure. in the last month. And GameStop is – one of the most shorted stocks. Um, so you, 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 that's that that always throws a curveball into into earnings reports when stocks are this heavily shorted in a game report. I mean, you could say it was good, right? They the estimate was was that they would lose 85 cents per share. They actually only lost 53 cents per share. So congratulations. Their sales were a bit light. Uh, I guess their guidance was a bit light too. Um, and I don't even know what there's to say about this this, this thing. Me and Joel have hated this company since we started the show back in like 2013. 50, 40, 30, 20, 10. I've kept thinking it's eventually going out of business, but we've had a hell of a run here. So, you know, we've been definitely wrong in the last six months to be bearish this stock. I'm going to stay bearish, though. I think I'll rally still to be sold in GameStop. I just don't see this company turning it around. I know maybe, but this free to play model is going to hit them eventually. I wish I would have seen, I wish Not I would have drawn on the chart from yesterday when I was talking about this one. I don't even remember what we said yesterday. Yeah. I don't uh, remember. I'm assuming it wasn't bullish though, because I, no, I, I was like, it, just because it seems to do this, it seems like to have the run ups and then get knocked down. And I think I actually said it was like, you know, there was a potential for this to get a couple bucks shaved off it, but I had no idea about the offering. So it did, the only question is, is it going to do what it did at this 12 level? And this was back in November. It had a nice run and then it hugged 12 for a long time. And then I don't know what the catalyst was to turn it higher, but that's what I'd be looking for. You know, is it going to, you know, make some lows at 1360, 1370, 1380? Because there are even some lows under 14 here. Hang out for a couple of weeks and then get another catalyst. There's an offering on the table too, Joel. So yeah, they not yeah. only, they not only, I guess the company did okay in the quarter, but, you know, then they announced the offering because they're looking at their stock and saying, hey, we're burning cash and we need money. money what a better yeah. time than to sell when our stock just ran from four to 17 in the last three months. So they do the offering here too. Uh, let's wait to see what the offering price is. Again, these, st- these stocks can sometimes bounce off these offering prices. That's usually when they're growing to, or they're doing offerings to grow. I still believe that GameStop is doing offerings to survive. So these are not the types of stocks that I want to own. But that being said, trend's been up in the last three, four months. There's probably a few shorts that are happy that, you know, that's come back in for them a little bit. It's got a high short interest. So I'm not, I, you know, it could squeeze back again. So you could get the squeeze party going here again. But I think the offering is going to weigh on it here now. Wait for that offering price. Yeah, wait and, for uh, the price. Chewy? Yeah, let, let's go there. This one befuddles me. Uh, CHWI reported after the close yesterday. Earnings per share, you know, again, I guess it was a beat, right? They lost $0.08 cents per share. They're expected to lose $0.13 cents per share. Um let me see if, if what the sales were. Uh, sales one point seven eight billion versus one point seven two billion, so a slight beat on that. that active great. customers are better than expected. Seventeen point seven nine million active customers versus twelve point seven million estimates. So, okay, how how's the stock doing? Do you use Chewy for your dog food, Joel? Uh, you don't, don't know, know, Felisa. She goes I, off I, Amazon. I, I have seen it before. 
I have yeah, seen you've it seen there. some of these chewy bags coming in. <laughs> I, I've seen, yeah, yeah. Um, the, the, there's also a, um, a local store that, uh, you know, you can go and pick it up and they throw it in your trunk, you know, pay for it ahead of time. What's the market cap on this puppy? This 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 Probably. dog food business. What what is the market well? Cap? There's more than dogs out there. Oh, I know. Well, they were trying to do the vet stuff too now or whatever, which is smart. That was smart. So. It's like they're trying to do, you know, to, to diversify themselves from being pets.com. So they're trying to go back into the, the other $30 billion. Yeah, yeah, 25 I guess people just don't care about valuation. I, so $30 billion seems insanity to me, but they're trying to do the vet thing now online. They'll try to do some other thing. Management team is great. They're a smart management team. I'm not investing in dog food business, but not for me. But I mean, I can't argue with the trend. The stock's been a great performer. It's been a great trade. On pullbacks, it seems to be a buy. I don't know where it's going to go from here. It's run up into the number. The, the, the money was made. I was long and ahead of the report. I said that. Um, and obviously, you know, that worked because it ran straight up in the last couple of days. I, again, when you're holding these things in the earnings, they're coin flip. Mitch, you're going to hop in, Mitch, to say yeah, something? Yeah, I got some news. I got some news in this area. Um, Petco. Petco is actually already put in to go public. So Petco one thing. Again? Oh god, yeah, guys, the Petco's coming back, man. Like so the store that sells the dog food. Exactly. Oh gosh, I'll pass on that one. Hey, not, we'll not just... getting all excited about Petco. I'm more excited about Chewy than Petco. Sell the peanuts when the sell thing the is... peanuts while the circus is. One thing is, they sell do the dog exact... food while the dogs are barking. <laughs> they do exactly Petco. what Chewy does. I'll, I'll tell you at least that. Online. Yeah. Except they, they do. Except they have physical stores. <laughs> yep, and they use them as their supply chain to get you it faster than Chewy can. Those are big stores, those Petco's, aren't they? Like, what about those leases, Mitch? What about, like, like I've seen these Petco stores. These are like, whoa, that's a big pet food store. And they got, like, oh. animals in there, and you can do adoptions. And they're cool stores. It's like the PetSmart that they have. I don't know. Do you have PetSmart in the U.S.? Yes. Yeah. Yep. Yes, yep. we do have PetSmart. What well, about... How is Petco and PetSmart different? <laughs> they look identical to me. Petco has... Way. Petco has actual clinics inside that okay. give them the revenue. Some sell animals too, right? The actual animals? No, yeah. not all of them. They sell fish and stuff. Yeah, I used to buy fish there. You know what? I I would be I'd be a little leery on this chewy just because is I'd be wondering if uh, DoorDash is going to deliver dog food. Probably. <laughs> DoorDash could deliver everything. Uh, you know what? I'm going to throw out the pre-market action in here that, I mean, you did, you did spike up to just under 84, but I'll look at this candle from yesterday and just use that perhaps as a, a guide in trading the issue. You made a new all-time high yesterday. It's 79.78. You're trading below that level. Uh, I believe you made an all-time closing high that day at 79.15. So, uh, if you're looking for a big breakout here, first things first, you know, clear out that 79.78, take out 80, hold 80, and keep on going. Yesterday's low, this is a little tricky one here because I'm not seeing any good support. This is just based on the daily charts. You got a pair of lows in the 74 handle. Uh, we don't know if it's going to get that low, but if over the next couple days, you know, just uh, split those two, two lows, 74.16, 74.80. Called seventy four fifty. That that's the next area right now. Pre market low just under seventy seven. All right, let's go OMCL talk. Um, there's a rumor here. Spencer Baxter's uh, sniffing around, going to buy OMCL. Broke from Bloomberg last night. 
okay. stock is trading up 14 points. They said the takeover could be well north of 120. Market's already got her at 124. The stock has been running and running and running. Um, obviously, Omnicell, huh? Omnicell, yeah. OMCL. So, full you disclosure, I shorted Baxter last night just because I was like, okay. <laughs> maybe they maybe guy. they do the takeover and they knock down the acquire. That's the only reason. So I'm short it right now, just on the potential that maybe. All right, I want to go to our guest. He's sure. Steve Sears. He is a Barron's columnist. He is the author of The Indomitable Investor: Why If You Succeed in the Stock Market When Everyone Else Fails. Steve, good morning. Hey guys, how are you? Doing okay. How about yourself? Fantastic. Uh, pfft. <laughs> I don't even know where to start. What, uh, what, what's on your radar here? There's a lot happening. Just just buy stocks. These are great times. Do that on leverage. <laughs> borrow as much money as you possibly can. Yeah. <laughs> hey, Spencer, can you read the disclaimer? Yeah, we need to read the disclaimer after that one. <laughs> yeah. You guys know I'm being very tongue-in-cheek. No. What very about... I mean, is there room for a Santa Claus rally here? I mean, a lot of people are, you know, that, you know, it's a historical trend. I look at things and I've talked to a couple of, uh, you know, buddies that manage money and there's, wow, what a year. If you're a money manager, you're down 25%, you're up 20%, you're getting paid on your incentive fees. I don't know. Is there a lot more upside here? Not a melt up, but just maybe a crawl up as people lock in those year end bonuses? Well, I think a lot of the, the year-end bonus stuff is, is, is locked in. You know, all, all the banks and their, and their fiscal years about a month ago. I think what you're sort of seeing now is like the tailwind of the, of the jet. If you look at retail trading, you guys remember, it used to always be fade the little guy. Like if they came into the options market, you wouldn't even hedge their positions because they were always wrong. Now you just trade the momentum. And what you'll hear, or at least what I hear is, well, don't you know the stock's a discounting mechanism? It's always looking forward. And we know that the COVID vaccine is coming around. You can see the strength in the rebounders. And people are looking out into next year. Do I? Th- but everything on the surface looks fantastic. Stocks keep setting new highs, regardless of the fact that the pandemic appears to be entering a new, a new more dangerous phase. And we don't have enough beds and hospitals to take care of people, right? I mean, that's, that's the backstory. But if you look a little bit deeper or scratch the surface, you'll see that the volumes aren't that great on most days and things are going higher, but it might be half the, half the trading volume. Does that mean that the institutions are sitting on the side or they're all buying SPACs and wanting to buy real, real assets? I, I don't, I don't really know. I think this is probably the larger question hanging above the marketplace. Let's bring it into the SPAC conversation. And we have been full on this SPAC FOMO happening all over the place. I'm seeing this QS stock go up 50% the last two days. And <clears throat> this feels like obviously unsustainable here, Steve. But you know, what are your thoughts here overall SPAC market as everybody's talking about the stuff all the time? You know, the, the SPAC has been on my radar for about, for about 18 months. And I have a friend who manages one. And he is absolutely killing it. And it's one of the biggest ones out there. And I, and I said, well, what do you do with this? And he goes, well, I just buy companies with it. And I said, what do you know about running these companies? And he's like, well, you know. I mean, so <laughs> the stacks to me remind me, of, you remember of all the hoopla about MLPs? Yeah. You know, yeah. Limited partnerships. Yeah. It's just a new flavor of the month. I'm sure there's some good ones. And, you know, but I remember years ago, 
you know, being on a trip with, uh, with a group of guys from the, from the Midwest who were just legitimate tycoons. You know, they, they owned huge chunks of the Vegas Strip. They ran huge companies. Um, and I asked them about how they invested in what, in what they owned and if they were big into the public markets. And their children worked in the markets. They were either stockbrokers, investment bankers, whatever. But these guys didn't like being in the markets because they couldn't control it. So what they did is they bought real estate or they bought companies and, they, and stuff like that. And I think the SPAC stuff obviously reminds me of that, but it also reminds me as a listed market play on private equity, which if, if you go to any sort of conference for financial advisors, there's always going to be two, two breakout sessions on why everybody needs to own private equity. Well, how do you get into a private equity fund unless you're super loaded? A SPAC, I guess. It's the closest thing that are, you know, Kathy Wood says her funds, the closest thing to private equity, but yeah, you're right. There are limited options unless you have, you know, a big book of business and, and a, a large AUM. Um, so maybe, you know, uh, we all agree this, it's a little ridiculous, right? But the question is how long does it last? And that's, that's the thing that no one. I mean, I, I think, but I can't tell you how many times people have said to me, well, you know, the stock market's a discounting mechanism. I was like, yeah, I get it. But and if you look at the strength of the, of the rebound, you in, in all the COVID names, you look, you look at the airlines, you look at, uh, I guess, even some retail. How do you take that out six months? What does it look like in six months? And I and I really don't and I really don't know. Well, in six months, there's a lockup expiration. We're going to find out. And how about that? <laughs> right. All, all, all these specs have that lockup in six months, and uh, I guess. But, but all that said, I mean, it, it sort of seems like it's like that David Bowie song, always crashing in the same car, where if you put all the facts out, and, and, you know, and you map them out, like one of the key central fact is where else are you going to put your money? Yeah. Are you going to put it in bonds? Absolutely not. Um, I, I mean, I'm scared of inflation. I, I, I'm scared to be in cash because, you know, they say there's no inflation, but as I see lumber prices flying up 40, 50 percent, as I see housing prices just, you know, going to a ridiculous level, at least in the area where I'm at, you know, I think like inflation is coming. And if I'm sitting in cash, I'm getting killed. So I think that's what keeps the market moving here is people are scared. I mean, even look at collectibles, like the collectibles market and sports cards market and art and everything. Yeah. Everything's just going like it's not just the stock market that's going it's like everything is just going up in price yet they tell us there's no inflation like well like when I, when I was a wee lad back in like in 1999 and first really got into the into the markets in a big way i was so struck by the differences between what the institutional traders were saying about the market versus what everybody else was saying and i i, I had no real financial experience back then but i knew enough to to say, to know that when these guys who were really, really smart were worried about things, but on Main Street, you, you can go into a Mexican restaurant and get a burrito and there was CNBC, that something was, was up. And now the thing that kind of blows me away as a, as a, like as a, as a factoid is that I'm, I get reports each day from big trading firms that list what they call message board trading. And it's a bunch of in and out momentum name stuff, options, because that's my bent. And instead of noting that as a risk factor, something to be concerned about, there's just basically recommendations to trade along with it. 
And so if the masses are no longer asses and you no longer fade the little guy, who do you fade? No, everybody's scared to fade. I'm scared. I'm scared to short these rocket ships. <laughs> well, you can't. You yeah. can't. But, but, but so, you know, I, I think there's a, the tempo has changed a little bit. Um, there's, there is tons of cash on the sidelines and, and money market accounts and elsewhere. And, and they do buy the dips. But we sort of seem to be in this kind of like seemingly perfect equity vol type market. And I don't know, you know, you, you, you can't short it per se very easily, but at the same time as the market keeps going higher and higher and higher, you know, one's reminded of, uh, of when this has occurred in the past and what's happened. Uh, Steve, we're coming up on a, a quad witch here. Uh, triple witch for us old timers here. Uh, boy, March, what an expiration that was. June, September, fireworks. Um, are you seeing any uh, jockeying or any any things that investors should probably maybe keep an eye out here for uh, for this upcoming expiration, which uh, should be a doozy. I uh, I know it doesn't does it doesn't coincide with when Tesla goes in the S and P five hundred, does it? Because uh, that could yeah, mean, if, it, if, it does. Yeah, they did. We, we, wow, wow. Okay, any any observations or, or? I've just really started to scratch the surface of that. I heard that two point five trillion is expected to expire. Whew. Huge amount. Um, you've got options volumes are the highest now that they've ever been in history. Yeah. You know, the historical pattern has been that you would begin to adjust your positions if you were, if you were slow money or, or institutional asset manager in advance to not get caught up in the maelstrom. I honestly have no idea what's going to happen, to tell you the truth. I think we're going to see a huge test of the, uh, if, if, there is, if there is a vol, if, if stocks dip, will people come in to buy it? I probably, but it's just now entered the radar. I think for myself and I think for a lot of other people, what do you guys think? I think the way I'm going to play it, prop trader, I'm always just fading. So that day I will be fading on the close, all the moves. Usually what seems to work on option expiration is you get these ridiculous moves on certain stocks and I fade them. So stocks are just getting sold off you know, relentlessly, maybe because Tesla's going in. I'll probably be a buyer. I don't know if I'm going to have the guts to short Tesla on the day it's going in, but I think tesla tops out probably either a day before it or a day after it right around there sometimes these trades get so crowded they actually you know everybody thinks it's got to go up and then they pull the rug out from under and they they nail you the day before but i mean we could bring it right back to tesla and i mean this thing's on a 200 point run it's literally up 50 percent since obviously they've talked about you know beginning the s&p inclusion it's up every day it gets an offering yesterday and they just buy it right back again i mean it's running into the event. It's the predictable run into the event. I, I got to think that's probably going to be the topping event. But I mean, in this market, anything can happen. You know, it, it's funny. Last weekend, I wrote about Tesla. And I talked about doing a risky on it. Uh, then this, it, it was... Could you explain that, please? A, a risk reversal is, is a bullish trading strategy that entails selling a, a put that's below the stock price and using the proceeds to pay for all or some of an upside call. All of this is done within the same ex expiration. It's a way to buy, you're basically agreeing to buy the stock lower and positioning for the stock to rally higher. 
So it's I thought it, it's pretty, you know, it's a well-named strategy. There's, there's a ton of risk to it, especially on a Momo stock like this. So I think at the time, like Tesla might've been like hundred points lower and it gets posted online on Thursday. And it was either by the end of the session or midday Friday that the stock was up like 60 points. Right. And the, the, the trade had paid off. And for the weekend, we had to adjust. We had to adjust it, even though I had a D18 expiration on the, on the illustration, which is the, the captures the runoff into the, into the index inclusion, which occurs on the opening on the 21st. And we just rolled it out into January to uh, try to get up, to get the approach to earnings. Because what you can see is, and I hear a lot of pros like, like you, Dennis talking about fading the move and thinking it's going to go down because how much better can it get for Tesla? But you, you, you know how these Tom Tom drums are, uh, are played. You're going to get into the new year and they're going to be like, Oh my God, Tesla's going to have an enormous queue. It's going to be a great queue. It's going to be the best queue ever. And then the tension's going to play. And like, and what are you going to do? We'll be, I mean, it depends on your time frame. Like I'm looking at it where, you know, I have no idea where Tesla's going to be two years from now, I tend to think it's going to be lower, but I don't get paid to think I get paid to take advantage of market inefficiencies. This is an inefficient event where you're going to have literally indexers having to buy the stock. And usually when somebody has to do something, it's usually not what you want to be doing as well. We've been calling, you know, the run up ahead of it. And obviously on this show, we've been bullish Tesla for a while, just because we predicted this run up ahead, because I mean, it's common sense that anticipatory traders are probably going to front run the event. And that's exactly what they're doing. Um, when you get to the actual event, does it top out temporarily there? I tend to think so. But I mean, nothing is textbook. Tesla is the poster child for doing the unexpected. So whenever you're doing something like this, fading a, a, a big pop move, you have high risk. So you've got to you know, manage that risk in the best way. You can. I, I would personally rather juggle fire. <laughs> <That's> <laughs> there Tesla's you go. Then, 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 then fade the move. I have a question for you guys. though. Do you think Tesla's inclusion in SPX changes the nature of SPX? It's going to impact all of the components that day. And I'm very excited for this day. I've like got it circled on my calendar as, a, as an inefficiency trader. Like I said, I think you're going to see other stocks sell off potentially on that, you know, there you close. Go, of yeah. Yeah. So you could get some companies that maybe are pretty good companies getting hammered for two, three, 4% that day. And it might be an opportunity to pick those up as opposed to trying to trade, you know, Tesla, you could trade, you know, what, you know, the, the ramifications of the Tesla ad, which is that there may be indexers having to sell other stuff. I mean, but again, we haven't seen a stock this big ever get out of the S&P. I mean, S&P didn't even know how to do it. So this is going to be a learning experience for all of us. So I'm not only excited to trade it, I'm excited to learn from it to see how, you know, this is going to go down. Because I think you're going to see some fireworks that day. I think it's crazy that they did it on that quadruple expiration as well, because obviously it's going in on the Monday, and it's yeah. on the Friday to coincide with that. I think that was a big mistake by S&P that they didn't think about. Um, but it's going to add up to a lot of inefficiencies. For an inefficiency trader like me, I drool at the thought of that Friday. I wonder oh what, God. like, the second biggest ad has ever been. I mean, because this one, you know, I religiously track, track the top, you know, 11 components and I've never, I mean, you've had, you know, it seems like these companies that come into it are, you know, nowhere near one of the top cap weighted here. I, I'm just, I'm, how are they going to keep 500 stocks in there? 
when they put in one, you know, one behind, you know, behemoth like that. I, I, it's going to be, a, it's going to be an interesting thing to trade, but uh, Spencer, do you what you had one more you wanted to wrap up with? I just wanted to ask Steve, if, if you think, you know, if you think it's valuable for people, newer traders, investors to look back at, at prior bubbles and crises, or is this year so unprecedented with, with the fed actions and everything we've had? Is it just, sort of its own beast it's always its own beast but there's in my view there but there's always elements of the past in it and if i keep there's a few books that i keep in my office all the time and always have and charles mckay's extraordinary uh, popular delusions in the madness of crowds is is one of them and so is ed edwin lefay's reminiscences of the stock operator because I, I have a cousin who's an evolutionary biologist and studies guppies, which has these really interesting evolutionary characteristics. It's a very fast cycle. And I said to my cousin, David, why is it that people don't evolve as quickly? We're still basically the same beings that we were a thousand years ago. It was a question that really pissed him off, you know, and he didn't have an answer for it. And I bring that up because even though the markets may change, it's still the nut behind the butt as they say in shooting, right? We're still the same people, so you can never escape history, but you just have to figure out under which shell you know the answer may uh, may hide. All right, Steve Sears is a Barron's columnist. He's also the author of The Indomitable Investor: Why a Few Succeed in the Market When Everyone Else Fails. Hopefully, not everyone. Steve, thanks a lot for the time. Have a good one. Talk to you in uh, in the new thanks, year. Thanks, Stephen. Thanks for coming on. Enjoy enjoy your articles. Thanks, right. guys. Uh, 8.53 here. Let's go to the chat. A few people asking about, uh, what was the symbol here? Let me get it up. Uh, C-R-I-S. Yeah, Chris. This is just like classic um, biotech doing what they do. So Curious, they had some phase one data. They actually had a couple of different data points. Uh, some preliminary phase one data on uh, on Monday and on Tuesday. And then they announced last night after the close that uh, a, a, an offering. Though they didn't say the size or the sure. price. This is just like, this is what they do, right? You, you, you announce some good data, your stock pops, and then yeah. you raise money. This is, this is like textbook. I mean, these stocks, you know, again, everyone, it's like everybody who started trading the last six months is only attracted to stuff that's moving 50 or 70% a day. And you know what? It's been working because some of these stocks continue to run. They get involved. I mean, you hear on Twitter every single person that made money on it. You won't hear anything from the people who lost it on, on these stocks. The stocks are the hardest to trade. I just want to, I try to teach stuff on this show because I want people to learn from my experience, you know, and from my experience, this is when I started trading in 1996, I was attracted to the same stuff, the penny stocks. What's moving? Oh my goodness, that stock's up 20%, you know, and I'm trying this and I'm playing with this one and this one. But the real money is made, the quantity, you think about the big money, you know, like the big, you know, the, the trading funds, the, 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 the smart money out there. Stuff like this is so bloody unpredictable. Like to try to make a call on this, you're just tossing heads or tails. I, who the hell knows where this is going to go? I mean, it's no. about setups. I mean, the stock just went up from two to eight. Could it go to 10? It could go to 10. It could go to two. It could go anywhere. I mean, this is just random gambling. Go to the casino and bet on red or black. Um, this stuff is really, really hard to trade. So I just want to say if you're starting and you're losing money, 
you're probably, you know, uh, maybe you should start looking at stuff that's simpler, setups, you know, the boring stuff that we talk about, buying a stock ahead of an event. You know, the Tesla was a classic. I, I think Tesla's overvalued. I thought it was overvalued at 450 but you know what? I've been bullish on this show for the last three weeks. Why? Because it had the event. It has to run up into the event. Well, it doesn't have to do anything, but it's predictable. It's probably going to run up into the event. And I mean, that's why it's just a relentless buy. That's a predictable move. The Tesla moves over the last year are unpredictable. The Tesla move in the last three weeks has been very, very predictable because we knew it was going to be challenging for them to add that. This Curious is Chris stock. This is completely unpredictable. This, you can give levels, you can give numbers, you can do all this stuff. At the same time, this is almost impossible to call. So, you know, we can say, oh, yeah, well, topped out at nine in the pre-market, so keep an eye on that level. But, you know, then it could go up nine, 10, 12, or it could just continue to give it back and go down at three, four, five. I mean, this kind of stuff is not my cup of tea. And I think the majority of people who try to trade this stuff lose money despite what you hear on Twitter. That I'm, I'm I'm scared to give any levels on this. <laughs> give me number on your but... desk. <laughs> no. do, you, you don't, do you trade this stuff, Joel? No, 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 no. No, we give it levels because the people want to hear about. Yeah, crazy I mean, if stuff, you're but... if you know if you have a target anywhere, you know, nine dollars is where it spiked up to. It, you're leaking now. Do we have do we have the offering price? Size, no price. Yeah, you gotta so, wait. I as a yeah. trader, I wait to see what that price is always. You know, yeah, you know, had a good trial, so they're funding it for good reasons. Let's see what the price is. They price away in the hole, meaning they come out, they price that thing at five bucks. You know what? It's going lower. So, I mean, you're very dependent on where they can get that offering price done. And that's why I like to always wait for the price. I don't like to predict. In some cases, I will trade it short, actually. Um, you know, if it's, if I, you know, think the offering price is going to be significantly lower in these cases, these smaller, you know, is this a biotech company. That's what this is. I don't even know what the hell this is. Yep, you're right. Yeah. He t- yeah. yeah. Um, I mean, have you ever seen an offering price higher? You know, I mean, it, you know. I, I, that's a good question. Yeah. N- not very often. Right. You, you can sometimes see that some, maybe the arbs overshoot it and they knock her down too much. And then the price ends up being higher than that, but you don't often see that now. Okay. All right, Spencer, can you give yeah. us an easier chart to look at? The easy one will, will be like Disney, for example. They got an upgrade today and the investor and the investor day is tomorrow. Right. So the investor day is a catalyst. Upgrade today, that's also a catalyst. The stock's been running. And again, a little bit more predictable. Maybe Oh wow. Look at that bunching up here. I don't know. This 150, but it's it's over 156 now. Boy, tough. Had all those. Oh, no. What, what are those highs? Oh, no, they're not at 156. We were bunching up 150, one, just under 155. So it's another breakout. Oh, boy. I, up 244. I don't know. I I bought it last night because it got the, oh, the rating investor boost. Day? Yeah. Oh, okay. no. I didn't even know about the investor day. I got the rating boost. Uh, who was it? You can see it there. Wells Fargo. Yeah. So I bought it last night <laughs> and um, I just like, okay, it's got a rating stocks, you know, got a good story. You're probably going to pop to a new all time high. I sold it already this morning. So I bought it and I took a couple bucks off. Of it. And the reason I mentioned the investor day is because, you know, you know, they're going to talk about Disney plus, you know, they will. Again, I, and, and you're, and it's so predictable to buy these stocks ahead of these events and you know, the earnings, investor days, you know, there's so many different events. They all, there's a lot of alpha extracted just moaning stocks ahead of events. Yep. 
All right. Uh, age 59. Uh, I want to hop off. want to remind you all that today is day two of the Benzinga small cap conference. I am putting the link in our chats. Again, it is free to join. There's an EV panel later. There's a bunch of stuff today. Uh, I'm not going to go through the entire agenda here, but I just dropped the link in there. Check that out. Uh, thanks to our guest today, Steve Sears. We appreciate his time. Thanks to all of the comments, all the likes. Hit that like button. I know you want to, those of you who haven't done it. I see you. I know you want to hit that. <laughs> um, please, 254. Yeah. Please remember that all the information from our show is meant to be used as informational purposes, not for investing or trading advice. And the opinions of our hosts and guests do not represent that of Benzinga. Again, want to remind you because of the conference, Joel and I will not be on at 340 today, but we'll be back in the afternoons tomorrow, which means we won't see you for 24 hours. So everyone have a good rest of your trading day. Good luck out there. And yeah, we'll talk to you tomorrow. Save big on brunch for mom, all in the Kroger app. Get half gallons of delicious Kroger milk for $1.29 each. Then get flavorful Tyson natural boneless chicken breasts for two forty nine dollars a pound, all with your card and a digital coupon. Shop these deals at your local Kroger, less than five miles away. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details.